Let me start because I'm talking about the command to love. God has commanded us to love. He has commanded us to love. He says, and he says, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is what John says. You know, he, we are to love one another. So we have this little cheesy thing called love, 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 and we really don't grasp love. We because we love everything. We, we use that one word. I, I love you, honey. Uh, I love you, sweetheart. I love my children. I love God. I love uh, angels, you know, whatever. You know, I love my dog. I love my cat. And we don't, we don't see a differentiation in, in those uh, using the word love. But God has given us a commandment to love selflessly. To, to love unemotionally, that is, uh, I don't have to have any, an attachment of emotion to my love. I, I love you because you are worth loving. Even if you are not acting lovely, you are worth loving. And, and God wants us to, to love each other that way. In our human relationships, we don't love the way we ought to love. And even if you are pretty good at loving, you don't love still as you ought to love. Because Jesus Christ is our example. Jesus Christ is our example of loving God's way. God's way. Love God's way. Love selflessly. Love because the person needs your love and your care. So Jesus tells us to love one, to believe on the name, uh, Father God tells us to believe on the name of his son Jesus and to love one another. Believe on Jesus and love one another. What he's saying to us is that if you believe in Jesus, you will have a, a conduct that corresponds uh, with your belief. And if you love one another, you'll have conduct that corresponds to that. So that means if your wife or your husband's having a bad hair day, don't you get one too. You, if you can't love somebody when they're being unlovely, you have not loved the God, God's way. And most of our problems in life are because we don't love God's way and we have the attitude, well, they don't deserve it. Neither do you. You don't deserve to be loved like God loved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would just believe in that son would have everlasting life eternal life, life forever, and God will share his own immortality with you. Now, that's amazing love. Amazing love. And then he tells us something else. He says in verse 24 of 1 John 3, he says, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. What an amazing, amazing statement. An amazing statement. So you keep the commandment to love, Keep the commandment to love your neighbor. Keep the commandment to love one another. Not only when they are doing right and well. You've not loved until you love an unlovely person. You've not loved. You've not loved until you love an evil person. You've not loved. Not God's way. He says, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. So he tells us, if you 
keep the commandment that God has given you to love, you abide in him, and he abides in you. That means he dwells in you, he, re- he will remain in you, his state of being is in you. Now this is, Christianity is so amazing, you can't make this up. I mean, what, what person born of a woman, born in the earth, would make up something like this to go by? It has to come from God. He says, and by, and by this, we know that he abides in us. This is how you know that God is in you. How do you know? By the spirit whom he has given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given to you, therefore, God is in you. That's why you and I should never, ever be hopeless. We should never say, I'm hopeless. I don't know what to do. Oh, that's some silly emotion. Dismiss it in the name of Jesus. Because how can you be hopeless when the God of hope lives in you. Amen. How, how is it possible? It's not possible. You see, we have listened to things of the world and we have accepted them as truth when they are not truth. I, I really, I want you to get the, the first uh, message today, but I don't want to go there. This is that we know God through love. But I'm going to start in verse 7. Just briefly, verse 7, in uh, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, this is, he's not talking about the selfish Hollywood kind of love. You know, boy meets beautiful, wonderful girl, been cared for and loved all of her life, and all he wants to do is spoil her. And say, I love you. Hogwash. That's not love. Love, God's way says, I will love you perfectly the way God loves you. I will care for you more than I care for myself. And that's the kind of love that God has already deposited in the people of God. There's no issue. God has already given it to us. It's extracting it. That's the problem. Every time you have a bad situation in your life, rather than reacting negatively, that's your opportunity to love in spite of your feelings. Amen. That's what God expects of us. And Jesus is our example. Listen here, he says, he who does, I love John. Actually, we may have an opportunity to read it in Spanish, and maybe we can talk a little bit about it. Verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God. He who does not love selflessly does not know God. He who does not put others before him and his needs does not know God. That's That's a lot different than the kind of Christianity that is taught in America. I'm just saying. That's what my wife would probably say. I'm just saying. Verse 9 says, in this the love of God was manifested toward us. In this manner, 
was the love of God manifested toward us. And this is what John is saying. He's talking about loving God's way. He said that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So God sent his only begotten son into the world. This is God's love. Sent his son into a dark world. The world was totally in darkness. Jesus was the only light. He comes into the world to live and die for people who hated him. People who were always trying to abuse him. Now I'm not telling you if you're in an abusive relationship and somebody's hitting you, that the pastor said, just stay and be beat. No, I didn't. Don't, don't, and now I'm going to tell you, don't walk away from the situation. Run away from it. That's not what we're talking about. You don't get to use somebody as a punching bag. Mom, I'm sorry. Yeah, you are sorry, but not in the way you think. God sent Jesus into the world that we might live through him. You might live through Jesus. That is, that is, you and I do not have the capability in and of ourselves or apart from the Lord, but we must live through him. And you can live now through him. I live through him. I preach through him. I pray through him. Everything is through him and to him. Amen. Wow. But the world doesn't grasp it. You don't grasp these things intellectually. And you can't say, well, they don't make sense. No, they don't because you don't have the Spirit of God. Those who this does not make sense to do not have the Spirit of God. But you and I have the Spirit of God so that we can know those things that are given to us by God. Wow, it's amazing. It's amazing. Verse 10 says, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So Jesus is the atonement for our sin. And verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, what? To give his only begotten son, we also ought to love one another. So John is saying we ought to love one another in the same way that God loved us. Wow. So then if I really love you the way God loved me and the way God loves you, there's no problem. Really, there's no problem. Because if I love you the way that God loved me, I will not love you for what I get out of it, but what I can give into it. That's the love that changes the world. I, I shall never forget the young man who was a part of this marriage seminar. And he said, I looked at him and I thought, not in a, in a horrible way, but I thought, what can this young man teach us? I want somebody who's been around for a while. Well, you know, people who've been around for a while can help us, and people who just got there can help us too. And this young man, approximately 40 or, 40 or 41 years old, I told you last week, he said, I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. And I thought, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know what he's saying? Because he married her for what she could do for him and how he got all this joy, and how he got all this pleasure. And that's when he realized, oh my God, I'm a selfish man. But do you love her for what you can give? I think love is an opportunity for us to show God. We can show forth God by having loving relationships, not always being difficult. Is that okay? 
But uh, forgiveness is a great component of love. Forgiveness is an amazing ingredient, an indispensable ingredient of love. Forgiveness. If If you're having trouble with in your marriage, you're having trouble with your children or in your relationships, forgive. Forgive. Don't wait for somebody to earn it. You didn't earn God's forgiveness. If you're saved today, God saved you. You did not deserve it. You couldn't earn it. Let me give you a quick story in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, Peter had come to the Lord and said, how often shall I, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Peter said, man, seven times. That's my, that's my capacity, right? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What? I remember as a young man, I counted. It was 490. I thought that. I said, man, I didn't have the capacity. What Jesus is saying is that you forgive as often as is as needed. You keep forgiving and forgive and forgive and stop keeping score. You know, you've been married for 30 years ago. I remember when you hurt me 29 and a half years ago. <laughs> what is that? What is that? What, what, what is that? that? That makes absolutely no sense. Here you've been married for five years, and you're still holding a grudge because in the first six months, he didn't quite know how to behave. You know, we train our dogs and our cats. Sometimes we have to train our husbands Maybe I was, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but Jesus gave a parable, and he says, he says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And in verse 24, Matthew 18, he says, and when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That was like $12 billion or more. I hate to owe $12 billion. $12 billion. So the idea is that it was far more than he would be able to pay even in several lifetimes. That's what the idea is. He says, but when he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. They couldn't pay, but he said, give me a shot at it. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt, a debt he could never pay. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's like a day's wages, let's say $140. Owed him $140. He owed $12 billion. The man forgave him. And now he comes and grabs somebody by the throat and says, I want my $140. What Jesus is showing us this man begged him, just like he begged his master. He begged him and said, have patience. Said the same words, I'll pay all. But he would not. Threw him into prison. He escaped prison, but threw him into prison until he would pay all. But when the other servants heard about it, they said, man, this is not right. Isn't it good to have people in our lives that will say, this isn't right? And they told the master. So some of these people around here that you're worshiping with are telling God on you. Well, Lord, <laughs> they told the master. And, and so the master heard about it, brought this guy to him. And he said, you wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was very angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, 15, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow. So what, what we are seeing here is that this man did not have love. So you and I do not have love when we receive this abundant love from God, tremendous blessings from God, well-being from God, but we won't forgive somebody who has trespassed meagerly against us. Because compared to what we did against God, there is no comparison. We deserve eternal hell but we have eternal heaven. And now can we not forgive, love somebody enough to forgive them even if they don't ask? Wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. So much more to say. But let me go to, to verses 12 and we'll see if we can get verses 12 through 21 if we can. Let's look at it. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We read a, a verse, First uh, John 3, 24, just a, a few minutes ago about this. So we know that uh, we abide in him because, and he in us because he has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit in you is shouting, is shouting to us, God loves you. God has made you his dwelling place. Wow. I don't know if that, how that affects you. It totally affects me to know that I am a dwelling place for God. The God who is so huge, so extensive. He is, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. He's beyond this limitless, quote-unquote, universe, because it cannot contain him. Yet, mysteriously, he is contained in us. That's mind-blowing for me. That's mind-blowing for me. So look at this amazing guy. He has given you himself. Now, when God gave you himself, he did not give you a little finger of himself, a little toe of himself. He gave you his entire reality. His reality is in each of us individually, totally. It's not like the mind of God is somewhere else and a fingernail of God is in you, but the total reality is in you. That's great love. That's, that, that gives us a sense of well-being. That's why I often quote this scripture that you may be tired of hearing. When I say no weapon formed against you can prosper. When I say the enemy, when he comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. When you go through the fire, you won't be burned. When you go through the waters, you won't be drowned. But you are more than a conqueror because of the Spirit of God in you. Don't underestimate the Spirit of God in you. It's amazing. And you may say to me, I don't feel like it. What does feeling have to do with it? Yeah, really. Come on. Uh, 
I, when I wake up in the morning and I get out of bed, I want to feel good. But I don't need to feel good to know that I'm alive. As long as I'm alive, there's hope. Come on. Come on, come on. I don't feel what you're saying. Well, what does that have to do with it? If you, it, the Bible doesn't say if you feel it. It says if you believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Somebody says, well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it for me, and that settles it. Straight up. Come on, you and I are people of God. The scripture says the whole creation is groaning, groaning with its labor pains, waiting for us to be revealed. And I know that there are theologians, and I have nothing against them in a negative way, nothing at all. But they're saying, oh, this is going to happen one day in something called the millennium. I think that's wrong. It will happen more powerfully in the millennium. But it ought to be happening right now. Because in the millennium, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. And the child is going to put their hand on the cockatrice's den right there on that, on that hole in the ground. And they won't harm them. We need this expressed where there's great harm in the world. Not where there's no harm. Are you with me? We need to love God's way. He has commanded us. That means he spoke love into you. And wow. So you should draw love out of you. If you're willing, you can draw love out of you. Hallelujah, somebody. John goes on to say, and we have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 16, and we, and we have known and believed. Listen to what he says. And we have known and believed. What? The love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love God has for us. And he says, God is love. That's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. God is love. And he who abides, remains, stays, have a state of being in love, abides in God, dwells in God, and God in him. Love is personified in Christ. So love is a person personified in Christ. Therefore, God is personified in Christ Jesus. So these amazing attributes of God are a person. And God does not want to stop there, believers. He does not want to stop there, believers. He wants to be personified in you. He wants love to be personified in you. You want to be a big bundle of love of God. God also is gracious and merciful, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. These attributes are personified in Jesus Christ. But God doesn't stop there. He wants them to be personified in you. He wants it, you to become a vessel of mercy, of grace, of long-suffering, of abundant goodness. He wants you to be a, a vessel of truth. Wow. So therefore, he wants you to be the antithesis of what the world is. But we're waiting on the millennium to bail us out. That's wrong. That's wrong. The world needs us. Let me tell you something. I know you may be tired of hearing it, but, but keep hearing it. The world is in chaos.
It's in chaos. When you have no favorable option, and if you tell me you have a favorable option in the world system, I'll say you don't know God as you should know him. If you tell me that you're deep down in lockstep with anything in this world system, you don't know God as you ought to. I find every day I live less and less do I have any option in the world. I don't need an option there because I have Jesus. You have Jesus. You should hold on to Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Even God's righteousness is a person. Let me just end here. Let's talk about the consummation of love in a few sentences. The consummation of love. That is, love brought to a state of perfection in you. It is perfect love, but it's brought to a state of perfection in you. It, it, it finds fulfillment in you. I mean, that's what I, I want. Well, that's what I want. I told you 27, 28 years ago, I was leaving the church. It wasn't all of you, but there were, there were some people who just weren't listening well. And I was so just frustrated. And I was griping on the way home. Called it praying. But I was griping. And I was griping to God. And nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. I told you the story several times. But he said, if you want to see change, you're going to have to give your life to it. And I, I resolved that day that I would not complain and I would lay down my life for everybody God brought here lay down my life. I will not count my life dear to myself. This life is not for me. It's for Jesus. It's to glorify Jesus in this crazy world that we, we live in. We live in a crazy world. I don't argue either side of these, these crazy political wars. I'm asking Jesus to intervene and do his thing. That's the answer. The answer is not your side. Your side is wrong too. If I choose the side, regardless, they'll be wrong too. And I grew up in East Texas. They told us two wrongs never make a right. The love has been perfected among us in this. And this is what God wants. He wants the love that he has given to us to be perfected in the vessels of mercy, which we are that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. He wants us to be bold when he comes in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. Isn't that amazing? He is love personified, so are we. He is righteousness personified, so are we. He is grace and graciousness personified, so are we. Wow. That's what God is after. That's what God is after. Then he says something that's always gotten to me because I grew up in the country, and man, I hated those dark nights in the country. I don't know if anybody has been, grew up in the country like me, but I hated dark nights, man. I hated dark nights. Jesus Christ helped me. And somebody, my mom or dad, had to send me somewhere in the dark night. So I'd look and try to run. I got to go to Grandma. I can, okay, the door, open the door. That's where her door is. Run! Yeah. 
and I preached out of my shoes. So, so now y'all know I preached out of my microphone now. Oh, do I have it on? I don't know where I was. I think I was running to try to get to that door. I was in the dark, running. I always hated the dark. You know, hated the dark. So this scripture has always puzzled me and bothered me, but not anymore. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Then he says, we love him because he first loved us. So what he shows us is that what God wants, God does. So God always models what he expects of you. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. I mean, John is cold. He's a liar. He doesn't say he's mistaken. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let me read that in Espanol. Si tengo la habilidad. Let me see. Okay. As, as, and verse 17, versículo 17. Ese amor se manifiesta plenamente entre nosotros para que en el día del juicio comparezcamos con toda confianza. Porque en este mundo hemos vivido como vivió Jesús. Isn't that amazing? So uh, we have love as Christ loved, as Christ loved. In el amor, no hay temor. In, el, in this love, in the love, no hay temor. Sino que el amor perfecto, listen, echa fuera el temor. Wow. Oh, this kind of love does what? Echa fuera. Oh. Cast it out. Echa fuera. I love that. El que teme espera el castigo. Así que no ha sido perfeccionado en el amor. Nosotros amamos porque él nos amó primero. Si alguien, si alguien afirma, yo amo a Dios, pero odia a su hermano, es un mentiroso. Is that, is that cold? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. Es un mentiroso. This is what John is saying. If someone affirms, I love God, but hates his brother, he's lying. He's a liar. He's a liar. Anybody hate anybody here? You want to confess? Es un mentiroso. Pues, el que no ama a su hermano, a quien ha visto, no puede amar a Dios, a quien, a quien no ha visto. So he that says he loves his brother who he's, who he's seen, he can't love God who he's not seen. He doesn't. He says, y él nos ha dado este mandamiento. And, and, and he has given us this commandment. El que ama a Dios, 
ame también a su hermano. Amen. This is what God wants from us. Amen. Okay, oh, 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 come on. Estamos conjuntos? Are we together? Are we together? You know, when we travel around the world, we, pre we preach in di different languages, several languages. You are sending us around the world, so you should experience it also. You know, n nobody ever, when I travel to Indonesia, nobody says, don't come over with that English. They don't ever say that to me. They accept my English and they interpret it in their language. When I'm in Mexico, they don't say, we speak Spanish here. I go, no, I necesito un intérprete. I need somebody to interpret to help me. Porque no hablo, no, no hablo con perfección. Por eso necesito una persona a mi lado. That's what I would say. I need somebody by my side. I, 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 I get excited and I forget even in English, so how much more in Spanish? Amen. Amen. Are we good? May I ask a question? You heard the word today. Would you like to make a decision for Jesus, I'm asking? There's somebody who heard and said, no, look, I don't want to leave home without Jesus, this earth without Jesus. American Express says don't leave home without their car. But you don't want to leave earth without Jesus. It'll be an eternal mistake. If you're here today and you've heard the word of God and you want to receive Christ, I want you to just raise your hand so I may see it and help me to see every hand that's raised. You say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Raise your hand. I want to see it. Okay, I see a hand. May I see hands? May I, do I see other hands in this section? Is everybody saved over here? Everybody over there, you're saved. You give, if you were to die today, you know where you would be and it would be heaven. Don't ever say, well, I know I, I'll go to hell. I know I'm going to hell. I've heard old drunks say that. I know I'm going to hell. I said, boy, you're not going to have that disposition when you get there. Because it's permanent. You can't get out of hell for good behavior because you're screaming all the time. Are you with me? I, I, you know, I'm just straight up. I'm glad Jesus saved me. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed. I want those of you who raise your hand, I want you to stand, if you will, where you are. You just stand where you are. And, and what I want each of you to do, just stand, don't, don't care about any of these folks. If anybody looks at you strange, I'll be mad at them. That's good. Yeah. If, you, you're fine. You know, you know, right now the Bible says there's great joy in heaven. Uh, it's shouting over you. Not over us. Over you. You're being celebrated. And this is a, the best decision you've ever made. Ever made. I want you to pray with me. Uh, repeat after me. And, and then after the service, I want you to come and say hi to me. I want to shake your hand. I want to bless you. Is that all right? Every one of you. So before, I want you to come first. Don't say hi to anybody else. Come to me. Say hi. All right. Let's pray. Dear God, I repent for all of my deeds and actions and I ask you to forgive me I ask you to come into my heart and become my life accept me and your family help me to walk the way you intend me to walk and I will serve you all my days I will need your help 
And now I call you Father and I call Jesus Savior because I have believed in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I have confessed it with my mouth and according to the scriptures, I am saved. And those who come to Jesus, the scripture says, he will receive them, he will not cast them out, and he will raise them up at the last day. So those who come to Jesus, he will keep forever. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.